Hello everyone and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast, a weekly podcast where we are re-watching AEW from the very start. This is our 10th episode, don't you know? That's uh, that's longer than some wrestling companies last. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known as Sid. With me as always is superstar Pete Andrews. Good evening everyone, or good morning, or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to it. It's up to you, you can listen whenever you want, that's the beauty of a podcast. Yep, and it also depends on when I remember to upload it. Join us today as we look at Dynamite Episode 5. But before we get into all that, Pete. Yes. What is your favourite contract signing in wrestling history? That's an easy one for me. It's the one where Batista turned on Evolution um, and picked Triple H as his opponent for WrestleMania because there'd been all this tension building up for weeks. Like You could tell that Trips and Flair were, were going to screw him over, but Batista was playing along with it, and then he, he caught him backstage here in the show sort of saying what an idiot he was and they're going to convince him to go for the SmackDown title, and then he didn't. He put his thumb up to Triple H, put his thumb down and put him through a table. And it was on. That's my favourite contract signing. It's a good one. Job done. And I love how quickly you could respond with that. (laughs) My favourite contract signing in wrestling history is none of them. (laughs) I think they're all trash. But um, I have always enjoyed how much you enjoy the Batista one. I've heard you talk about that a few times. Mm. So... um, I'll give you the buy on that one. Thank you. Um, There is, of course, a contract signing coming up on Dynamite Episode 5 today. So maybe that will be the thing that changes my mind. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Spoiler, it doesn't. Oh, damn it. Right, let's just have a very quick look back at Dark Episode 4, which aired just the day before AEW Dynamite Episode 5. We talked about it a bit last week. And I said I might go back and watch the Derby, mm-hmm. Jack Evans, Jimmy Havoc, Triple Threat, Hardcore Bullshit match. Yeah. And I did. And it, it's what you think it was. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yes. However, however, I did stumble upon an amazing MJF Cody promo, which I'd never seen before. It was like a little sit-down interview segment. Okay. And Cody, uh, it's a really heartfelt one. MJF is talking very heartfelt about how he uh, felt overlooked when he was doing American football and he was getting bullied from some of the lads in it for being Jewish. And they called him Jew boy. And it's such a face promo. Um, And it's very, very heartfelt. And at the end of it, um, MJF's little face lights up and he goes, but the kid who bullied me is now a drug addict and I'm rich and famous. So it's all good. It's ju- it's the most MJF thing I think I've ever seen. Excellent. Oh, he's good. Yeah, I, I hope we get a bit more of that because obviously he sort of just turned face in 2022 on Dynamite last week, turning on the firm who got him his, his uh, money in the bank. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> or has he, though? Or is this all a setup to lure Mox into a false sense of security? Well, it could be. AEW have done that so much recently, though. Like They've done mm. it with Britt Baker and, yeah, true. Um, and Jamie Hayter. They've just done it with Daniel Garcia recently, where he's definitely, he's definitely turned against Jericho, but oh no, he hasn't. Mm. We've been back and forth with Luchasaurus. So they keep doing this. True. And it's like, at some point, you need to commit to the storylines that you're... You're kind of playing out. While we're on the subject of MJF, worth really worth a listen. I listen to it every week anyway, but William Regal has a podcast, a new episode every week. And this past week's episode is all about MJF. And it's it's basically an hour of William Regal saying what a prick MJF is. And it's it's such a good listen. It's it's obviously mirrors that runs that line between K and a work, but it's it's done masterfully, I should expect, from, from William Regal. But yes, well worth a listen. I listened to it last night and I was just laughing throughout it. It's so good. So it sounds like that's that is, as you said, direct continuation from probably the best wrestling segment we've had this year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or at least the best segment that was planned and not backstage yeah. <laughs> happening yeah. by accident. Yeah. Cool. MJF though, I mean this is his year, isn't it really? He's yeah the decks have cleared a bit. Cody's gone back uh, Punk's gone out. The other guys are suspended, mm-hmm. and it, this is this is the the ball is there. It's it's there for the taking. 
MJF is going to be the guy. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Definitely. Right, so let's just jump straight into AEW Dynamite Episode 5. And it opens with Tony Schiavone on a plane. Yeah, I didn't really like this bit. It it felt very WWE to me. And I know AEW isn't an underground company because it's owned by a billionaire. But it always it has that edge to it. And I feel like the, the private jet and all that sort of stuff, it kind of took that away from me for a bit. I mean, I, I kind of felt they were trying to do old school NWA more than Fed, but yeah, it was yeah. it didn't work for me either, and I couldn't quite tell you why. Mm. It it felt like NWA for me, because it kind of it felt it felt like something that the WWE would do, but without the WWE's production right. quality. It it had that kind of like my mate Jeff filmed it for us at the airport two weeks ago, and then we've just patched it into the episode, kind of NWA quality. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I don't know. It, it just and it came out of nowhere, and it was a bit weird. It doesn't make you want to support Cody either, does it? Because like he's the face going into it, but it's like, but you've, you've got your own private jet. It's like I don't really connect with you now. Yeah, private jet and rented limousine. Yeah, yeah. The, with, with the phone number of the limousine company, it shot <laughs> quite a lot throughout this episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they got it a bit cheaper because of that. So look, let's pretend that it didn't open with a Cody segment on a plane yeah. talking about fighting Jericho. Let's let's focus on the fact that the show itself starts proper with an uh, episode four recap. And honest to goodness, yes. this is what happened last week's segment. Yeah. The thing I said last week I would like to see happen, but didn't think... Yeah, and there you go. Proved you wrong, didn't they? And they, of course, added a little bit extra to that as well. Yeah. With uh, Mox and a Tony Khan, who is unseen. Mm -hmm. Promo through a door, discussing an unsanctioned match coming up at full gear between Mox and Kenny Omega. Yeah, I love this bit. Having Mox be... You know, you, you think really Mox would love an unsanctioned match because that's his wheelhouse. But he's like, but that takes me out the rankings again, and I, I don't want that. I want, I want to work my way up to this championship, and you're giving me a match that's not even going to be recognised. On your head, be it then, sod ya. If, if that's what you want, I'm going to kill Kenny Omega. Basically, it is a weird one, that isn't it? Because they've got an unsanctioned match coming up, and they've done one before, mm-hmm. and the company is quite young at this point. Yeah, this is going to be their third unsanctioned match. Mm. So I kind of I really wish they hadn't bothered with the time travel special with Joey Janela yeah, yeah. and Kenny because that's just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um. But Mox sort of does such a good job as we'll see later in the show. He does such a good job selling that mm. he's pissed off with the unsanctioned mask that it match. It actually turns the crowd against the match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very very interesting. I haven't seen that done before. Mm. But let's uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because we have got more of. More of Moxley coming up later on the show. Not not that he's a guest on this. We're not we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So episode five of Dynamite. Where are we? What you wearing? We are in Charleston, West Virginia, USA, at the Charleston Coliseum. Uh, this is the thirtieth of October, twenty nineteen. So almost Halloween. And I've got a feeling, you know, that might just come up once or twice throughout the show. <laughs> you never know. Let's keep watching and find <laughs> out. So we've had the best opening to a Dynamite I think we've ever had with the recap and mm-hmm. setting up the big match for Full Gear. Straight into a match, singles match, one-on-one competition, Hangman Adam Page versus Sammy Guevara. Of the inner circle, as JR refers to them a couple of times. Yeah, he did that once last week and sort of got away with it, <laughs> yeah. but he does it a couple more times here. Yeah, yeah. So what I liked about this is as, as Hangman Page was coming out, mm-hmm. Sammy is recording, doing a little vlog yes. for YouTube on his phone. Yeah, uh, that's very on brand. That's very Sammy. I don't. There's not many wrestlers who could quite get away with that. No, yeah, I mean he he does have his blog vlog. I assume he still does. I have. I used. I watched it for a bit, like a year or two back. Sammy's vlog, uh, and it was all right. Um, it wasn't as good as being the elite, I didn't think, but it had Charlie on it, and now Charlie. Is he's an AW employee? He's not a wrestler or anything. He just works backstage, but he um often shows up on uh, Ethan Page's toy hunts, and he's just oh, the okay. the funniest guy. Like he just buys random 
tat that he sees and he's really into um golf war trading cards he like he buys those and he's he's the funniest guy he really reminds me of chris pontius from um jackass he's got that sort of similar face and sense of humor to him and he's just the funniest guy for no reason but there's just something about him i like um, yeah, and he was featured on Sammy's vlog a lot. I tell you who I think could get away with filming a vlog as uh, as people coming out to the ring, and that's the BAWA's very own Chav Guevara. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who quite often would famously pop out a mobile phone in the middle of his matches. Yeah. Uh, much to the merriment of the crowd. Yes, yeah, and this was before vlogs were a thing. Phones didn't even have video cameras on them back then. It was just a, a normal normal phone that just did calls and texts if you're lucky maybe a bit of snake yes yes the problem is though we we couldn't use the nokia phones that made snake famous because if we took one of them off in during a match and tried to smash the phone yeah the nokia would just make a hole in the ring yes solid those phones yeah, solid nokia's just cannot be broken so uh sammy Guevara versus hangman adam page pete who is your fave adam <laughs> is it page cole pierce west Sandler, Driver, Ski, or Ant? It's Adam of Eternia, Prince variety. I'm afraid that wasn't on the list. Damn it. But you can still have it. <laughs> Thank you. Back to the match. Uh, give us your thoughts on rundowns. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a good match for AW to open a show with because these are two of their sort of flagship wrestlers. Obviously, Adam Page had had a run in Ring of Honor in New Japan before, so he was probably more well-known than Sammy at this point. But these are two guys that are clear futures of the company. Um, so to have a match opening with these two is always good. Um, yeah, a few good slaps in this match. They both lay it in a bit, which is always good. That's something I always enjoy in a match when people lay it in. Uh, but it was a good showcase of both of them, I thought. There were some big moves in it. Yeah, just some good hard-hitting, good opening match stuff, this one, I thought. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with everything you say there. i tell you one thing that was very certain from this match, and that was that the crowd do not like Sammy. No, it's, he's very easy, easily unlikable, isn't he, Sammy Guevara? There's this, he's, he can portray smarm in a very good way. Um, it doesn't take much for Sammy to get the crowd booing him. No, he is very good at what he does. Uh, a few b- bits in this match that uh, stood out to me that I really enjoyed. I always seem to enjoy the apron bumps. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah, they're always. I think it's because they're 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 a relatively new thing, I guess. Um, again, another bit of a holdover from New Japan. They love an apron bump, and I think because it hadn't been seen on a lot of American audiences to this point. When you do see him, like, oh, that's nasty. And it doesn't matter what it is. Any bump on that apron's horrible. Well, maybe we need a little bit of music to uh, to splice into the episode for, for an apron bump. Because <laughs> apron bump watch does seem to be becoming my job here. Yeah. Uh, there's a good one in this match where it, Sammy sweeps out Adam Page's legs. Mm-hmm. And I think Adam Page is going for an ass bump on the apron, but his ass completely misses. Right. So he kind of hits kind of mid-back, Shawn Michaels casket match style. Mm-hmm. Um, not not a good place to hit your back. Um, no, no. Another bit in the match that I really enjoyed was uh, Sammy goes up to the top rope for one of his crazy spinning death mm-hmm. trick 450 shooting star moonsault presses. And like the crowd are just so against him in this match. He yeah. kind of plays to that heat instead. And he just... Rather than doing a big move, he just jumps down yeah, and yeah. slaps Adam Page. Good heel stuff, that. I like it. Great heel stuff, and it gets a better reaction than the majority of his big flippy moves. If he knew that three years ago, why doesn't he do that more? I don't I don't get that, because it worked. Yeah, And yeah. that is what working is. It's really good. Heal it up. We like it. Oh, definitely. Especially as a heel, you can get away with doing doing less because it will just piss the crowd off and get that reaction you want. Yeah, it's it's a perfect, perfect spot to do. Another great spot in this match was, again, messing about on the apron and Sammy goes full bore, charges into Adam Page, who just kind of leans in and gets him in a kind of a front sidewalk slam mm-hmm. as Adam Page drops down to the floor outside and just full on plants <laughs> yeah. Sammy into the apron. That's that's lovely. Yeah. Obviously my old finisher was the sidewalk slam. It was, yeah. Uh, much to the amusement of many people for using such a staple as a finisher. <laughs> but uh yeah, I always appreciate a good sidewalk slam. So the match ends. Hangman wins with the buckshot lariat. It's clean. It's strong. It's at the right time. 
I like how that got hit as well. It was it was kind of an out of nowhere buckshot, which isn't the easiest thing to do because it's a move that requires a bit of setup and getting into position. But you had Sammy sort of back to Hangman running to the ropes, and yeah, then got hit with the buckshot. It was yeah, like I say, very clean, very nicely done. I always think the buckshot works best when he's gone for it a little earlier in the match, and the yeah. opponents had it scouted, yes. so he just he doesn't, and mm. then he somehow sneaks it in. Um, we've seen him do that in a few big matches. Obviously, that that's how he won the belt and defended it that yeah, way yeah. many times. But it works so well in this match. Super clean. It's what the crowd want at the right time. Um, perfect stuff. And then Adam Page picks up a microphone because, you know, you got to put it out there, not just to the crowd, mm-hmm. but to Tony Khan that I, I'm not one of those guys who's afraid to cut a promo. Yes, yeah. Good stuff. Cowboy shit. It's gunning for pack. Um, I was a bit distracted by spotting the Incredible Hulk in the crowd. Yeah, he comes up a lot, doesn't he, throughout the night? (laughs) He does. He certainly does. But yeah, it shows that Adam Page can do it in the ring and on the mic. Mm -hmm. And then we get a recap of the match we just saw during the ads. Yes. (laughs) There's worse ways to use an ad break than that. I like that. Mm -hmm. Spotted in the crowd during the ad break was two guys wearing Jericho personal security. Yes, I saw them. Excellent. Dressed up like the ninja, Jericho's ninja and... I can't remember his name now. The the fat one. Ralphus. Ralphus. Ralphus, that's it. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. That was, that was really good fun. <laughs> and we come back from the adverts just in time for a cameo from the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, there they are. They're hanging out. They're going to award the tag belts later on in the evening. Well, that's what they're there for anyway. You know what? I was trying to check out the belts and see if they were the AEW belts or if they were the NWA champions again because I know they had a good little run in the NWA around this time. Yeah, yeah. Anything's possible. Yeah. Um, they do look a bit like the ghosts of Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> no, no, like, uh, winter woolens in sight, though. They're still rocking their rocky gear. They don't change, do they? Yeah. No, nor, nor should they. That would be wrong. Yeah, no, they never they never cut their hair short or sold out. Um, yeah. Their hair just went away all on its own. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Private Party gave them some beads and mm-hmm. they were very happy to see the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I did doubt their sincerity when they said they were big fans of Rock and Roll, though, Private Party. Yeah. I don't see yeah. it. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. And then that. they made noises like Cat in season one of Red Dwarf. <laughs> They did for quite a while. Maybe that's where that's where maybe Cat got it from. Yeah, or that's you know, maybe they are more cat than people. True. Yes, it would explain their quick reflexes after all these years. So on to the second match of the night. It is the second singles match of the night. It is Shana versus Hikaru Shida. It is Pete. Who is Shana? Yeah, this is our first appearance of Shana. Um, she was signed to the company, but didn't do. A massive amount, really. Um, They make mention on commentary that she's probably known for her work in stardom, but she's wrestled all over the place. Uh, She's originally from Portugal, but again, as they mentioned, she's now uh, living in France. So she's wrestled all over the UK and Europe. She had a couple of matches in TNA, um, if I remember correctly. Not a lot. Um, But yeah, stardom was kind of her home for a big part of her career. And she signed with All Elite Wrestling early days. Like I say, didn't last all that long she was only signed there for a couple of years they decided not to renew her contract obviously they didn't set she didn't set the world on fire for them but yeah it's a this is our first of few appearances for shana so um does the crowd suck or is it just bad levels throughout this match yeah they did seem a bit um quieter for it um she does try to get them involved in a bit there's this that bit where um, Shida, they're on the outside and she uses the chair and just drills her knee into Shana's face and then like has the biggest face style smile to the camera and then high fives all the crowd. It's like, you've just done something horrendous and now you look like a mentalist because you're so happy about it. <laughs> it really made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few bits like that um, where just a bit out of character for Kira Shida, she just did a few cocky covers and mm. arrogant kicks to a downed opponent but like you say she would then immediately go out and like engage <laughs> with the fans in a super cool face way yeah and you will also note in this match that someone kicked out of the falcon arrow yeah it's weird because from what i understand nobody kicks out of that so it's 
strange. Strange to see that keep happening. It is a weird one. Um, overall, what did you think of the match? Yeah, I thought it was fine. Uh, it, it wasn't Shida's best match. Um, obviously, like I say, we don't see a lot from Shana to know if she can sort of do more. Um, it got better as it went on, I felt. They both, at the start, I, there was a bit of a clash of style, I think. But by the end of it, they were... They seemed a lot more comfortable with each other. Yeah, it did. It did get going towards the end. Shida wins clean with a running <laughs> knee strike. Yeah, there was a nice bit on the cover as well where they were a bit close to the ropes. Yeah, she pulled the arm in, didn't she? Pulls the arm in. It's yeah. it's just it tightens stuff up. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, because if if the referee noticed, it was like, oh well, her arms are under the ropes because that yeah. is as acceptable as a rope break, depending mm-hmm. on how good your ref is. And then they would have to do a new segment out of nowhere. It, it wouldn't have been the right time. This was the right time to finish the match. So just little little things like that. Titan matches up and I always appreciate them. Yeah, definitely. So we go straight from quite a good women's match to um, another mental breakdown promo for Brandy. Yeah, this was even more peculiar, wasn't it? Like close-ups of her face and Awesome Kong's face and Canada. It was all a bit goth, wasn't it? Yeah, I think she was auditioning for a guest spot in Charm. Yes, yeah, that's a good good call, that. Yeah, Charm. But yeah, this is, like I say, the Brandy stuff just gets kind of mental and crazy as it goes forward. And this is a prime example of the craziness. Very bizarre, very odd. But we've got some even more bizarre twists and turns to come from this. So I tried to find on YouTube to see if there was a best of worst Brandy moment (laughs) compilation. And there isn't, but she does have a YouTube cooking show. Well, it's it's a drink. Yeah, they drink and cook. Um, Yeah, they basically used to get an AW restaurant. Was that in Canon? I think it was, yeah, because they always used to get like an AW restaurant and then they'd get pissed while doing the videos and like at the start it's all fine and then by the end of the 15 minutes they've been doing shots and things and they're all a bit merry um so it was it was always slightly entertaining for stuff like that like there's one where halfway through Cody comes back with the shopping and so it's like oh sorry I didn't know you were you were recording let me just put the shopping away you can crack on we leave Brandy well enough alone and we go back to ringside, and here come the Rock and Roll Express. Yes. They want to show off the tag belts. They do. Um, but instead, instead, unfortunately, they get a beatdown from Santana and Ortiz. They do, yeah. Proud and Powerful come out and give them a right good kick in. Ricky Morton gets more of the kick in than Gibson does. Yeah, Gibson just kind of has a little snooze while they work on Morton. Yeah. I've fallen over and I can't get up. Work on him. Yeah, but that was always always the way with that team. <laughs> fair, fair. So Santana and Ortiz, you just called them proud and powerful. And yes. That is how they are billed for the forthcoming Full Gear show. Mm-hmm. Where did that name came from? How long did they use it? Because, like, that's quite a clean babyface name to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this they only started using that in AEW when they were in Impact. They were they were LAX. Um, yeah, and they they kind of try to get it to stick but then they don't use it they're like, more often than not they're just Santana and Ortiz and the proud and powerful thing doesn't it doesn't gain traction because they can't seem to decide whether they want to use it or they don't um so yeah it, it comes up on occasion but yeah more often than not they are just Santana and Ortiz so we got to talk about Ricky Morton getting put through the part of the stage. Yeah. A power bomb, double power bomb through part of the stage. Yes. Um, quite a nice bump. It's quite a good safe bump to do. It will always get a reaction, but it's actually not that bad to take as long as you don't clip an elbow or something on the sides. Yeah, yeah. On the way in. Old young bucks, uh, if that's a phrase, they come <laughs> to the rescue. A little bit late. Yes, yeah, a little bit late, but what? They were, I think it was Matt Jackson was wearing a t-shirt I have to track down because it had the Young Bucks logo on, but the picture was the Rock and Roll Express. I have to have that t-shirt. I don't know where I'm going to get it. <laughs> that was a nice shirt. It did look like he just cut out pictures from some old <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, four by six photos and slapped them on the front of his existing t-shirt. So I don't know if you're going to be able to find yeah, that. Yeah, that's a shame. I have to just make it myself. While Ricky Morton is laid out waiting for someone to come and rescue him and cut him off during the adverts. Mm -hmm. I have to ask, who is your favourite Mort? (laughs) Right. It's a good one, this. You want to stick Mm. with this. It's good. Okay. Right. Is it Joe Morton, star of Terminator 2 and Speed? Was it Ricky Morton? Was it Morton Cooper Jr.? 
<laughs> was it Viggo Mortensen? Nice. Was it Rocky Morton, who directed the Super Mario Brothers movie? Or was it Rick and Morty? Well, that's on trend. Or, last one, on Marsh. Ah, isn't there a Mort from the Pratchett universe? Isn't that one of the Pratchett books? You, that That's true, it is. Yeah. Um, Could be that. Yeah, I, I think Ricky Morton, just because he's Ricky Morton. Well, from Ricky Morton to Rick and Morty. Yes, nice say. anyone is watching this show, I thought you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> you might notice a peculiar Rick and Morty theme throughout, um, including some little round posts around the turnbuckle ring posts yeah. um, and padding turnbuckle pads saying Rick and Morty or to promote a new series of Rick and Morty on Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does mean by putting the tubes around the ring posts, the commentary team have lost about 25% of their available commentary calls. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, round posts. That was going to throw JR off, isn't it? Yeah, so it gets weirder. Because <laughs> uh, as well as having all that stuff around the ringside, we then get the best trends introduced by Rick and Morty. Justin <laughs> yes. Roiland doing the voices of Rick and Morty, introducing the best friends to the ring. Yes. It's a very confused few minutes on the show, because obviously you have the Rock and Roll Express beat down. Mm. Then you go to various people in the crowd wearing Rick and Morty masks. You get commercial jerkin, Reynolds Silver and QT. Yep. Cutie and his apple. Yep, and we did that. What that was commercial jerking was a suggestion. I like it by one of our listeners. Excellent. We'll do um, that I'll saying, take that. Yes, isn't that good? Yeah. What we haven't mentioned yet is how between the commercial jerking team of uh, not quite Dark Order mm. and Cutie, and then the best friends coming out introduced by Rick and Morty, <laughs> they they squeeze in another. Cody Rhodes promo in the back of a limo. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was so awkward. I, I was cringing the and whole terrible, time with that. Awful. Terrible production value. Yeah. And every time they go over a little bump, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like my chair rocking back and forth when we're trying to do a podcast. Really bad. Really it, weird yeah, place for it. I was like, oh, I wonder if they just green screen. Then, no, they're clearly going over bumps and <laughs> there's traffic and Tony Giovanni just spouting nonsense. So I'm going to bring up your dad, but I can't think of a good story to really bring up. So I'm just going to ramble on for a bit while Cody looks a little bit confused. Truly, one of the dullest promos. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. It's really bad. And it just didn't end. Uh, it isn't instilling much faith in the contract signing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But before we get to that, we have to get through... QT, Reynolds, Silver versus the best friends. And the best friends come out and they are dressed like Rick and Rick and Morty. Yes, yeah. And the other commentators make poor, confused Jim Ross <laughs> say, Wubba oh, Lubba, yeah, Dub Dub. <laughs> <laughs> he has a go, doesn't he? He's like just re- clearly reading off a little bit of paper. Just read that, JR. Uh, why? That doesn't matter. You don't need to know why. Just read that. And even the best friends who are kind of jovial pranksters mm. don't seem to know why they've been dressed as Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the wig comes off, Trent, hell of a lot, uh, which makes me feel good about myself because I've wrestled in a wig and uh, mine stayed on quite a lot more than that did. Um, it was definitely off yep. more than it was on. What I like is they worked it into a spot where yes. Silver snatched it off his head and he gets really upset. But they do that after it's already fallen off. Yeah. Twice, twice, twice <laughs> yeah. Naturally. yeah. So could have <laughs> changed that spot up. There's a great call from JR about how maybe a wrestling match will break out during this. <laughs> <laughs> and Excalibur has to say, no, no, it's corporate synergy. And JR's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's... That's the name for it. <laughs> oh, what did you think of this match? I mean, it, it was just, it was only three minutes. Three minutes, 14 seconds, not quite 316. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it like you say, it's, it's just a bit bonkers, a bit silly. The fact that like Orange Cassie and Chuck were dressed the same, it's like, there are other characters in it. Maybe you could have <laughs> had, had one of them dressed up as someone else, but no, both dressed the same and then. But yeah, it was what it was. It was a it was a bit of fun. It's like it was a it was the token effort. They've clearly been asked to promote Rick and Morty. It's like how should we do it? Let's have green posts, a few logos, 
give give the crowd some masks, which they don't seem to know which way round to wear, and we'll we'll dress some of our wrestlers up as Rick and Morty for three minutes. Um, it it was fine. It it's it's not got a star rating, but because it was less than three minutes, but I don't think it would have got a, a big star rating if it was longer than five. Maybe that's why they kept it so short. To yes, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Best friends win. You mm. won't care how. Um, but strangely, <laughs> this is probably the most awake the crowd have been for the whole show. Yeah, true. It's very true, yeah. So something in the match did appeal to the in attendance crowd, got them to stand up and... Pay attention to the show for probably the first time. Then we get a quite long full gear promo, um, mm. reinforcing the coming matches we've got. And as if it's planned to feed into that, we have a contract signing for full gear yeah. between Jezza and Cody. And this is, of course, a contract signing which has been built up with two of the worst promos you've ever seen <laughs> in one show. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is AEW's chance to change my mind on contract signings. Mm, yeah. How do you think it went? Uh, not well. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good one, was it? Uh, I mean, they tried to be different. Normally contract signings are in the ring. They had it up by the entranceway. Uh, they had a real lawyer involved. They, they, I know she's real because they said she was. Now, I have questions. Okay. I have questions about the real lawyer. Because Jim Ross went, oh, wow, is that a real lawyer? <laughs> and it's like, what's Excalibur going to do? Go, no, no, no. Jim, it's a show. <laughs> yeah. It's a show. You can't, he's not going to piss on it. And he's not going to be a reliable narrator either. You can't, <laughs> if he says, yeah, yeah, it's a real lawyer. But you know, I think it probably is. I think AEW is probably just stupid enough <laughs> And wealthy enough <laughs> to have actually paid a real lawyer to sit there on TV and not doing anything, rather than just bringing out one of the boys' girlfriends and sticking her on a table. At least we've got uh, Mark Sterling for this sort of stuff now, who is a genuine lawyer, goddammit. Doesn't always help, though, does it? So, Jericho and Cody come out. Yeah. Um, weird to hear the crowd singing along to Cody's mm, music, yeah, not yeah. to Judas. Yeah, we haven't got to uh, that yet. That, that changes. Did they ever have a match? In WWE, either as Stardust and other gimmicks he may have had that I don't um, know about. They must have Was done. there ever? They must have crossed paths. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. That was kind of the time I was starting to tune out of WWE a bit and wasn't watching everything like I, I did back in the day. Um, but they must have crossed paths, even in like a multi-man or something. I don't think they ever had like a, a one-on-one feud or like angle or anything. They might have just had a match for match's sake or like say being a multi-man together or a run in the bank or something like that. But nothing comes to the comes to my mind of, oh yeah, they had this angle for this reason. Well, I gave it a bit of a Google and the only thing I could find were kind of weird four-way matches mm. where they weren't really directly against each other. But they all turned out to actually just be video game captures. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> people have just recorded themselves playing, you know, WWE 2016 for some right. reason. I liked Jericho's Halloween jacket. Yeah, it was purple nice. Purple with pumpkins. Yep. That was That's probably all I have to say about the contract signing segment. It, it was short, mm. so that's good. It could have been longer. Uh, and then, of course, Jake Hagar beats up Dustin out the back. Oh, on yes, the rental of course. Limo. Yeah, fighting in puddles. Had they gimmicked the back rear wing of the limo, or was that just Dustin's head hitting... Oh, yeah, because it didn't have dent it, did it? I, it I, I, did I, dent. I don't think it probably was gimmicked, because Jake Hagar's involved in it. That's that's my reasoning for it not being gimmicked and it being incredibly unsafe and stupid. But yeah, yeah quite the dent in that car. And they love a car door being closed on. Oh arm. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you got to do that. We've rented the limo. We might as well break someone's arm in the car door. <laughs> yeah. The other thing to look out for on this weird little segment, which goes on a bit too long, mm-hmm. Jericho doesn't know how to light a cigar, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, and. MJF could potentially fashion a sling out of his scarf. Well, he could, yeah. I think the cigar thing was because um, Cody's got a a range of cigars that he sells, so I think it was a, it was probably one of Cody's cigars and was another little knife in the heart type situation. But yeah, it was just Jericho 
awkwardly holding it and trying to light it. We have a weird bit of a segment here where I think they're obviously gone to adverts again. Mm-hmm. So you just get a couple of minutes of reaction shots from the crowd. Yeah. Do they really think Dustin's arm is broken? <laughs> Who knows? But those reaction shots, some of them are like, you've got some people going, yay, we're at the show. Some people look incredibly bored. There was one where they're, I'm sure a guy was asleep. Like, he's, he's just sat there not moving. His eyes were shut. Whether he was just doing a very long blink, but he definitely looked asleep to me. I mean, if you're going to sleep for a contract signing, at least not on the Rick and Morty mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you know. Maybe he wasn't one of the lucky ones to get one. So, thankfully, the contract signing is over. We have another trios match, Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian versus the Elite. And I'm like, yeah, finally, this will be, this will be a good match. Mm. This will probably be the first, like, really strong match. On the show. Actually, the opener was good, but this this should be a good strong match. Yeah. So Kenny Omega gets as far as his entrance, and then it went a bit eight bit graphic and weird. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out wearing a mask, and I just I didn't have a clue. I felt like Jim Ross. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, it's it's all a reference to a video game called Undertale. Um, but that's not like a a huge well known game. Obviously, Kenny must love it because he has all the graphics styled after that and his costume styled after a character in it but yeah of all the video games to pick Kenny that's probably not the one because yeah you might love it but even me I'm I'm like a, a big video game player and I've, I've never played under I had to look it up and go what was that so yeah odd choice Um, obviously they were going for the Halloween aesthetic with the elite being dressed up but yeah just such a strange choice from Kenny because it it, it just created more questions rather than getting excited for the match or thinking, what was all that about there? What did that mean? Um, is this the start of a weird angle where someone's, you know, messing up his entrance? But no, it's just a, a thing done for this one match. Very odd. It did. It did completely feel like an angle. And mm. like someone was was, and it was you know we're going to get three or four weeks of this, and then someone amazing is going to debut. Yeah, and yeah. Then then be squashed and never heard from again. But no. No, it was just it was just a video game reference. What's wrong with Wonder Boy and Pac Man? That's what I. There you go. Know. Yeah, he should have rolled out as Pac Man eating people on the yeah. way. Well, we we've already got a pack. True, so and he's a man as well. On. So yeah, gimmick infringement. Obviously, you mentioned the Bucks wearing their Ryu and Ken outfits again, mm-hmm. like it's uh, like it's. Fighter Fest. Yeah. Uh, got to get your money's worth. Can't right, exactly. That. Yeah. Obviously, Kenny still hasn't turned up as a Kuma costume. <laughs> yeah. Why is Angelico dressed like a 1990s rally bike? Yes, he. that is how he dresses. Um, f- covered head to toe. Yeah, the only skin on display is that of his face. Um, but yeah, it's weird. He, uh, yeah, whether he's uncomfortable with how he looks in wrestling gear, like normal, what you consider normal wrestling gear, trunks or tights or something. But yeah, he, he's covered head to toe, very neon. Uh, like I say, you can definitely see him when he's riding his bike. Um, yeah, it's, it's not the best look, I don't think. It? None of the like the like the the design of the gear looks like it was specially done for him. It's like he's been to Halfords and gone, that'll do. Wear that. It is like a cyberpunk BMX store. He mm. was you're like yeah. in some he was in some Eastern European country and there's a really niche culture culture of BMX goth people <laughs> and he's gone, Well this'll do. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be this man and I'll jump at people. Yeah. Are they are they just charisma vacuums, hybrid two? Because obviously they they are decent workers. You, mm. you can see by the amount of stuff they can do, they can they should be able to put a wrestling match together. They're very athletic. They've got some skills, but they're just there's nothing to them. Yeah, it's just like the air's gone out of the room. It's really weird. I think they're one of these teams that if they were anywhere else, maybe if they were in NXT or something like that, they'd really stand out because when they're wrestling, they do do some cool, flashy stuff. But you're in a company with tag teams like the Bucks and the Luchas and people like that who are just next level with the stuff that hybrid two do so they they yeah they never stood out they never really gained much personality they do a bit of dancing um and that was it really um jack evans has since left the company i do believe angelico's still there um but yeah they they never do anything they never get really beyond this is probably the height really of these early dynamite shows where they are used in matches and then you, you don't really see them all that often going forward after sort of the first six months or so so what did you feel of this match then given this is probably the height 
of Hybrid 2's success? Uh, yeah, it was it was what it was. Um, it it wasn't really moving anything on. It was a match for matches' sake. It was an excuse to get uh, the elite on the screen, and we see where it goes after the match. There's kind of a reason for them to be out. But yeah, it it wasn't the greatest elite match you'll ever see. They kind of just hit their signature moves that you expect them to see. There were a couple of nice little moments in it, but yeah, nothing to write home about. Kip Sabian's a guy that I. I want to see more from him. Um, I think he's a really talented guy and I, I hope he gets a a bit more prominence um, coming up soon because he 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 hasn't been used to his potential, I don't think, and this sort of match isn't going to do that for him. I mean, I kind of forgot Kip Sabian was in this match mm. and I only watched it an hour ago. Right. Um, <laughs> it's weird. I, I really I hated this match. Yeah. It, it was just, it's so scrappy. Mm. The crowd, if you watch the crowd, they don't know where to look. Right. The commentators don't know what to call. There's, uh, I counted three double hot tags. Right. Which just were rendered so meaningless. Mm. And you'd you'd get you'd get someone come in fresh and then after one move they'd be they'd be done and their opponent would take ages to set up their next move and it's just like, well they're completely fresh. What's yeah what's going on? And there's no there's no urgency to it, is there either? Because it, it it's the elite versus Kip and the hybrid two. Who's going to win this match? There's, there's no drama to it because it's so obvious. It's not like it was the elite versus the trio of SCU that you think that oh, could go either way. There's just yeah, there's no drama to it. I'd say it's faux urgency. Mm. It's it's a Michael Bay movie. It's screaming at you the whole time. This is important. Mm. Stuff's moving. There's noises and images. Yeah, yeah. But there's no story or psychology. Mm-hmm. And if you ask anyone after the match to explain what happened, yeah. no one could tell you. Yeah, exactly. No one could tell you a single single spot. Yet the crowd loved it. Yeah, I mean I mean they I think part of that is they're seeing Kenny in the Bucks. And, you know, that's enough, isn't it? Um that that's gonna get them excited no matter what they're doing. Um but yeah, it was it was just a nothing match. It was it's a bit of a waste of the elite, really. Um, like I say, they're they're out there more to just do that little post match thing with the Jacksons. But yeah, it it's a shame because the elite are great and they're gonna they're gonna get the crowd going no matter what they do. But this sort of match is just they're better than this. They're better than having a filler match. So I mean, at its worst, this is sort of what I imagined an elite match to be before right. I watched them before I knew Kenny before I knew the Bucks if I just was going on the reputation and I'd just I'd done a few too many Jim Cornette podcasts Mm -hmm. this is what I'd expect if I'm being kind I think they planned a 20 minute match and then they got to the curtain and they were told you've got 10 minutes guys Mm -hmm. and they just looked at each other and went we'll just do it all we'll just do it all we'll just fit it in 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and rather than making it that's the most intense 10 minute match I've ever seen it makes it that was the least memorable match I've ever seen yeah Um, Yeah. and it's no one's fault Mm -hmm. however let's look for the silver lining Kenny Omega gets the win clean Mm -hmm. one winged angel at the very least it's another win in the column for the elite a win in the column for Kenny and it's putting over the one-winged angel, which is what we want, because we are still teaching the audience what's happening. And it did have this irrational thing that winds me up every time I hear it, when Excalibur calls it the one-winged angel. I hate that. It just annoys me. It That's my, your, you know, when um, Penta does his no-fear thing, that irrationally annoys <laughs> you. Mine's when, um, yeah, Excalibur calls it the one-winged angel. Hate that. Just annoying. Rather than just one-winged angel. Yeah, the one-winged angel. That's yeah, that's what it's always been called. Stop trying to make it sound different. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Um, basically, a Falcon Arrow, though, isn't it? But unlike most of the Falcon Arrows, people don't kick out. Of yes, this one. only been kicked out once by Kota Ibushi. Protected move there. Yeah. So as soon as the match ends, uh, Ryu and Ken of the Young Bucks <laughs> go to the crowd to try and celebrate the win. Yeah. But no, no. Hiding in the crowd as Rick and Morty, it's Santana and Ortiz. <laughs> yes. Or as they're supposed to be called Proud and Powerful. And of course, we knew it was going to be people who jumped them because they were the only two people sat next to each other 
wearing the masks properly in the whole arena. <laughs> That's um, right, yeah. <laughs> so in a show absolutely packed with terrible interviews and backstage segments, mm-hmm. before we jump to the final match of the night, we get a promo with Peter Avalon. Yeah. You know, the, the dark sensation Peter Avalon <laughs> in a dressing gown. Um, less ravishing Rick Rude, more ravished by famine, needs food. Nice. I like it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. That actually took time as well. Yeah, That's I the saddest imagine. thing about that <laughs> throwaway line. That was about five minutes with the screen paused thinking, ravishing Rick Rude, but crap. <laughs> um, but I got there. I got there. Yeah. Mox comes out and Stone Cold's all over Avalon's ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the crowd are hot for that. Great, yeah. brilliant. He gets his he gets his paradigm shifts, which is just this generation's Stone Cold Stunner. He gets that in. Mm-hmm. And then he starts cutting a promo about, oh, you want to give me an unsanctioned match? Mm-hmm. Um, and the crowd have kind of listened to him too much and they start booing mm, yeah. the unsanctioned match. And well, that's like, it. Oh. I mean, Mox, for the whole like time, I've said it before, he's just the MVP of All Elite Wrestling for me, Mox. He's just so good, and he's so believable in what he does, and just that instant connection. You, you believe everything that he does and everything that he says. Um, and I think the crowd were hoping, you know, once the, the Cody Jericho match is done, Mox has got to be next in line for that title. And the fact that he is in this non-sanctioned match, which would affect his win-loss record, wouldn't get him into title contention. They're like, oh, well, that's not what we want to see. We we want to see Mox like be the champ or challenge for the title. And yeah, by him being in a match that obviously is going to be good, a, a non-sanctioned match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley is going to be excellent. You just hear that and you know it's going to be good. It just, it maybe hasn't got the the outcome that people, people want to see from it. Well, looking at John Moxley and talking about him being the MVP of the whole company, what would AEW have done the last two months if they didn't have Moxley? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's sat there, isn't he, behind glass, break when needed. But, he, yeah, he... You know, some, some wrestlers might be a little, well, you're just using me when what you wanted to happen fell through. But Mox doesn't. He just picks up that ball and goes, right, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's do what we need to do and... Let's carry this company forward. He's yeah, he's so good. He's he's such a good person for them to have. Yeah, I mean, he's not my favorite ring worker, but I do like his gimmick. I do buy into his gimmick. Mm-hmm. And if it's dynamite, he'll do it. If it's rampage, he'll do it. And all this, and he's supposed to have been on holiday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. It was. It, I think he said he, he was on holiday for twenty minutes. <laughs> well, you know, that's almost as long as Liz Trust was in office. <laughs> well, yeah. We're uh, we're going to go to the final match of the night now. It is a, another tag match, not a trios though. This is a traditional tag match, and it is the tag tournament final. Yeah, we're there. We've watched it build the past few weeks. Yeah, and it was built brilliantly uh, over the the whole course of the history of Dynamite up to this match. Mm-hmm. Um, did feel like they were going through the paces a bit on the last show, but that's fine. And yet they get to this show, and there hasn't been really any kind of recap or mention of it until they get to the main event. Yes. Trusting the audience to a certain degree to have remembered what the main event is. Mm. Could it be a hat and a hat? Because they have been building it since the very start of the tournament. Um, Well, it is literally a mask on a mask Mm. for Penta and Phoenix as they come out wearing Halloween masks. (laughs) <laughs> over their masks, yeah. And here's a shocker for um, a shocker for Jim Ross at the start of this match as well. Um, referee Aubrey, mm. women can be refs even in main events. I know she's she's ref both oh. title matches. She's she's like she's important. Wow. Yeah, they're allowed to do wow. men things. It seems he's going to get over this one day, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So what I like in this match is it's been built up enough that uh, they're not. They don't want to kill each other, yeah. but the second that bell goes, mm-hmm. it's a fight. Yes. They're on. Yeah, yeah. Rather than me telling you how much I liked it, let's hear what you thought of the match first. Yeah, I mean, we've had some missteps in the, the tag tournament. Like we said last week, Private Party didn't have the greatest showing in their match against the Luchas, but it was all building to this, and all four guys just worked their asses off in this. Um, it's what you expect to see from... SCU versus Luchas. Again, it's a bit of a... Well, I say it is. I thought it was going to, like the last five, six minutes or so, was going to be a bit of a showcase for Scorpio because there's a point where Kazarian gets put through a table and they sort of... Shivani makes a commentary call, that's it, that's that's Kaz out of the match. We won't see him again. 
but then seconds later he's darting in the ring and <laughs> break like stopping Penta coming in. But you know, Scorpio looked good again. He always does. He he rises to the occasion every time. Uh, Phoenix just did some amazing stuff on those ropes. How he does it, I don't know. But he like avoids people attacking him on the ropes and then attacks someone else. It was very fast paced match. Everyone worked hard. Everyone looked like a star. The finish maybe was a little bit. Oh, it it felt a bit. Was that meant to happen? How was that? How it was meant to end? I'm not sure. Because um, it did finish from a roll up. It felt a little bit out of nowhere. But at the same time, it was out of nowhere. You don't see finishes like that all the time. So yeah, it it was very good. It's been built up very well. Um, so all eyes are on this one. Like you say, Phoenix is particularly excellent in this, mm. especially when he's on the ropes. Yeah. However, when he's just trying to put someone in a simple, basic leg submission, <laughs> yeah, does go a little wonky there. But that's miscommunications on that can go two ways. So it could have been something Frankie was doing. Mm-hmm. Frankie Kazarian, rare misfire in this match. Um, he goes to do from the top rope to the apron oh, for yeah. a Hurricane Rana. And catches his foot on the top rope as he's doing it. Yeah. Phoenix is partly to blame. He doesn't really hold him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just just almost spikes his head right on the apron. Yeah. He just kind of has his head bent forward just enough to stop it. Mm-hmm. As you say, Scorpio Sky wins the match with a small package. I also thought we were going to get a few minutes of him being a hero on his own. Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of expected the finish to be Frankie's out on the table and maybe the referee's going out and checking on him, and then you were just going to have Scorpio Sky trying to keep the match alive, but he's just getting brutalised by Phoenix and Penta, Mm. Um, and there's no one to save him, and the referee's distracted, and maybe they do some bullshit handcuffy type thing, Uh and then you have Chris Daniels out of nowhere come out and fight them, you know, Mm -hmm. keep it alive long enough for the refs to recover, for Frankie to recover, and for them to get uh, a team win. Yes. That's... Probably how I would have booked it, perhaps overbooking it. Um, but the crowd seemed absolutely happy yeah. with the small package roll-up. The only confusion being, because um, Kazarian had gone through the timekeeper's table, mm-hmm. no one could find the ring bell. Right. The match technically never ended. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's still going now. The referee called it. There was a pause with the music as well, wasn't there? Normally, like... The match finishes, music hits, but yeah, because there wasn't that bell cue for them. Even there was that little delay there, and it added a bit of oh, is that meant to finish there? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably was meant. Yeah, to I think so. Just because they so. couldn't find the bell. Yeah, yeah. Scorpio Sky again came up particularly good, very smooth. Everything he does in the match to the point that I think we need to start calling him Free Cold Scorpio because he is one better than Two Cold Scorpio. There you go. Yes. Yeah, I like it. So, best match of the episode. Yeah, I'd say it's the uh, the tag title match. Um, up until that point, probably Adam Page versus Sammy. Um, but yeah, I'd go for the, the tag titles. Yep, that's that's what I've got. And MVP of the show? See, I don't want to say Scorpio again, but I'm going to say Scorpio again. Um, just because everything else was a bit meh or didn't really matter and wasn't really important. Um, so yeah, I'm going with Scorpio again. Yeah, three weeks in a row, Scorpio's got it again. He even got he even got the pinfall yeah. for the yeah. tournament win. So we have our tag team champions now in SCU. Um, I'm going to do my fantasy booking and say I think the show could have been ordered probably better. Mm-hmm. I understand the idea of putting Paige and uh, Sammy on first because that is a strong opener. Yeah, but given the amount of trios and tag matches in this, I would have put on Kenny and the Elite first. Yeah. That would have got the crowd going. Yeah. And it would have... It it was a zippy match. It was a good opening match. Mm, yeah, yeah. Then I probably would have done the women's match second, uh, bullshit trios in the middle, mm-hmm. the, you know, the where it was. Yeah. Um, another single to break it up. And then the tag team tournament finale and also by doing that you're putting adam page and sammy into the kind of semi-main event slot yeah true that's just what i would do i'm not saying it's better or worse but mm-hmm. would have tied it up for me yeah um but overall 
quite a fun show. It does feel that we desperately need full gear now, but still a couple of weeks to go. Yes, yeah. Still a couple of weeks to go. Let's then have a very, very quick look at episode five of Dark, which was recorded the same night as Dynamite, but wouldn't go out until six days later. That's right. Um, So, yeah, commentary team. uh, Wait for this one. Excalibur and MJF. So, you know, that's got to be worth watching for MJF doing commentary alone, isn't it? As I said last week, um, Dark very quickly becomes like an undercard show. You get the occasional name on it, but nothing of importance really happens. And this this uh, show is no different. So you get Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. He defeats Michael Nakazawa. Uh, a ladies tag team match. Ali and Sadie Gibbs uh, against Big Swole and Mercedes Martinez. Um, and we get a tag team match main event. Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela against Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Um so, okay, a couple of questions on some of that. On the, the women's match, Big Swall and the other one. Mercedes Martinez. Have we seen either of those two before? I think we've seen Mercedes. Mercedes we'd seen, um, I think she was in uh, the ladies' battle royal that they had um, at one of the pay-per-views. Right. She was in that. She's currently the Ring of Honor women's champion. Um, so she had a brief run uh, in AW towards the start. Then she jumped ship to WWE. Uh, was in NXT, was very briefly brought up to the main roster as part of a faction where they all wore sort of funky masks. She didn't like the angle she asked for her release and was granted it. Um, and pretty much as soon as she was released, she went back to AW and is now clearly a focal part of Ring of Honor, being their champion. Uh, Big Swole, she's a bit of a controversial character. Um, she has done bits and pieces here and there. I think she was in one of the... WWE May Young Classics. Uh, I don't think she got overly far through it, um, but she was definitely in one. Uh, she uh, joined AW very early on, as we can see, um, but she was later, um, her contract wasn't renewed. Uh, and at the time, she went on social media and sort of made points to Tony Khan saying it was all due to sort of the, the management structure and diversity and they don't sort of push people of colour and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Tony Khan probably should have just let her have her rant, but he didn't. He went back, he tweeted back and said, no, the reason she was released is because she didn't improve. She wasn't very good, um, <laughs> which ruffled a few feathers. But this was kind of at, at the time of Jay Cargill's rise. Um, and a lot of people were like, well, yes, maybe to you it may, it may have been issues with you know what you perceive the issues were but then people similar sort of early in their careers were being pushed and doing well so yeah her complaints didn't really land with a lot of people um i don't know if she's done much to any wrestling um since then um she is married to a wrestler by the name of cedric alexander uh who wrestles for wwe so I think a lot of people thought, well, there's, you know, she's got an in to WWE. Maybe she'll go to NXT or do some stuff there. But yeah, I haven't really heard much about her since uh, she left AEW. So I'm not sure if she's still wrestling or just biding her time to sign somewhere else. Interesting. It's pretty bad, though, isn't it, when your most famous thing um, mm. is for being fired from yeah. something <laughs> not to fire people. Yeah, well, exactly. So yeah. Yeah. She she I think she damaged herself more than anyone else with that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then of course, as you said, Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janella or as I call them Sexual Misconduct Express. Nice. Defeat Jurassic Express. Um as you said, yeah, might go back and watch it just for the uh just for the MJF commentary. Yeah, exactly. That's probably the highlight, which is isn't ideal, is it, when you've got three matches of people clearly working hard. The reason you want to watch the show is for the commentator, but these things happen. Well, that's that's an undercard for you, and it's their job to make themselves stand yeah, out exactly. on the undercard. Yeah, that's what if, Dark's if for. If you can do that, yeah. yeah, if you can do that, you'll get a shot, and yeah. that's, uh, we need more of that. That was episode five of Dynamite. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our humble little podcast. We will be back in a week's time on Wednesday, every Wednesday, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? 
They can find me on Twitter at Pitwar, and I've got two accounts on Instagram, uh, Pitwar18, that's generally me putting posts of comics and things that I've bought um, to try and make myself feel better about buying them. Um, and I've also got one called Pitwart, P-I-T-W-A-R-T, which is uh, all my art. I like to draw wrestlers and famous people and do portraits and stuff. So there's a few of my drawings on there. And I do take commissions, so hit me up if you want me to do something for you. We'll have a chat. Uh, we've also got a... Uh, Facebook page for the podcast on Facebook. Just search for Double View Wrestling Podcast on there and you'll find us and leave comments and whatever you want to do on there and we'll reply to you because we're nice. And you can follow me on Twitter at CZHazard if Elon Musk hasn't destroyed it by the time this goes out <laughs> on Wednesday. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at AEWView. So please give us a follow, like, subscribe, etc. But please tell your friends about us. Share us wherever you can. Help us grow our show and help other wrestling fans find us. Thanks, everyone. We will be back in a week's time. Bye-bye now. You didn't do a sponsor segment. Nah, fuck it.